Greetings, programs and users. It is time once again for another episode of Old Nerds Drinking. I'm John Patrick, the Master Control Program. I am sitting by myself here in the edit suite. Uh, Rojan is off on his Disney vacation. So uh, when he gets back, we're going to have a bunch of fun things to talk about his visit to Star Wars Land. So right now, I'm having myself a nice, very basic bitch rum and coke. Uh, as I sit here and get ready to start editing part two of our last episode. So we'll be talking about some, some spooky season stuff, even though Halloween has just passed. But uh, I hope you will enjoy it. And without further ado, here's the show. Although I was sad to learn that Anthony Hopkins' cat passed away. What? <laughs> okay. Okay, so during COVID, we all had things that got us through COVID. We all had those, like, some people found sea shanties. Some people started sourdough bread. One of the things that got me through COVID were TikTok videos of Anthony Hopkins playing the piano for his cat. And it's adorable. It's Anthony Hopkins sitting there just playing the piano and his little cat, like, rubbing against him and purring. And it was sweet and it was wholesome. And I just, like, a few months ago, they posted that his cat passed away. Hannibal Lecter sitting there at the piano singing songs to his cat. I, uh, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't, I, I uh, It's It's because you're a dog person and we forgive no, you. No, I take, I, I am also a cat person. We know. If the cat likes me, if the cat doesn't like me or doesn't want to be near me, I am indifferent. It's like, all right, whatever. I don't care about you. But if. I've I've been around. I have friends that have cats that I absolutely love. That, oh yeah, you know. Well, you and Hammy, you and Sammy give each other high fives. Your your Sammy wants to rip my fucking throat out. She does that to everybody. Like it's well, then not she wants just to rip you. Everybody's throat out. Like she sits behind me when I'm in the studio down there at, at Cast a Day Old Nerds Drinking, and she'll just sit on that little couch behind me there. And as soon as I turn around, she's just like, "I will fucking annihilate you," you know. <laughs> and that's that's it, you know. So. It's like, okay, because I, I like to be affectionate with animals. If you have a dog or a cat that likes me, I'm on the floor playing with that animal. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, the, I, am a, I am not a dog person. I am an other people's dog person. I don't want mm -hmm. a dog, but I will, or I will love your dog. I will give all my love to your dog and then leave and not have to clean dog poop out of my yard. I have become that way. Um, like our, our buddies over at Jake and Tom, he just adopted a... a oh my a, God, a, that's so adorable. That little I know. Linus, and I would the take bulldog. that dog if I could, because it's a British bulldog and I've always wanted one. Oh, I know. But I can't, you know? So fortunately, yeah. both of my kids have grand puppies and I am also babysitting a puppy right now. I've got my cousins over here and they've got this little white Samoa puppy furball. It's, it's like the meme. It's so fluffy. That's what this dog is. It's adorable. So, I mean, I guess I could see your point where... Because you were a cat lover, when Anthony Hopkins' cat died, you mourned for the loss of his cat. But well, because it's a good casting, <laughs> as, as as we know, all cats go to Valhalla because they are carried across the Rainbow Bridge by the Valkyries to the Mead Halls of Odin, where they join the Einherjar, the honored dead. And when Heimdall sounds the Galadrihorn, and it is the time of Ragnarok. All the pets will return to fight in the last battle with Odin. You are also forgetting about the the chariot being pulled by cats, Freya's chariot. Oh, yeah. And, and another one of my favorite scientific facts, that orange cats only exist because of the Vikings. Um, 
And the fact that cats exist in North America is likely because of Vikings. Um, just two of my favorite facts. I love Maine Coon cats. Oh, yeah. I really do. Like a, a, a regular, as pure blood as possible, Maine Coon cat. They're just huge and they're furry. They're very cool. I also like serval cats, but serval cats get as yeah. big as dogs. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ser <laughs> servals. Well, and servals are technically a uh, wild cat. They are not a, you should not allow, or you, unless it's basically the same thing as owning a tiger for a pet. You shouldn't own a serval as a pet. Well, there's Savannah Sav and serval cats. Yeah, Savannahs are a crossbreed of servals. Um, so yeah, you can have a Savannah as a pet and they're basically the same damn thing. Um, you have to be careful. I have a friend who had one as, well, I don't, I haven't talked to him in a while, but they had one as a pet because I believe they are legal in Michigan. Mm -hmm. And yeah, from you, what I remember of it, you, they were, Savannah they were the best. Oh, I was going to say. Um, savannas are legal in almost every state because they're still considered a house cat. They're just really fucking expensive. Maybe it was a savanna cat then, but from what I remember, no, yeah, yeah, it it had was, yeah, it was a, the best aspects of both a dog and a cat. It oh, was yeah. very, um, it didn't have the, um, from what I remember of it, it didn't have like, you know how cats are like, pet me, don't pet me. Okay, mm. now pet me, now don't pet me. I'm going to attack you. Like it Sammy. It was more like a dog in those regards, but it was incredibly intelligent. Like the fact that, like most people who have big dogs, your dog isn't just going to jump up on the counter. But these things are cats, so they can do that. They can just jump up on the counter, and then you've got a cat that's as big as a fucking you know Doberman on your counter eating off your plate. Yeah, um, and, and you have to be very careful with savannas because um, they will range up to seven miles. So if they get outside, it's not like where if your cat gets outside, it's probably not going to go further than a few blocks around your house. If yeah. a savanna gets outside, it will range up to seven miles in any direction and still consider that its home turf. Exactly. And people not knowing any better will see it and be like, there's a fucking puma out here trying to kill me. You know, yeah. a lot of people don't know what savanna and serval cats are. And plus... You know, they see a cat that big, they're going to be like, this thing's going to attack my kid, you know, or something like that. So I get the, I get the thing for it, but it was a cool cat. It was really, I mean, it would come over and play with you and stuff. It, it didn't, cool it didn't cat. pull its claws out and attack you or nothing. It was very lovable and affectionate. And ever since then, I've always been like, man, I could, I could own one of these. I could oh, yeah. own one of these cats. I don't yeah. remember if he had a litter box or what he had though for that regard at this. I can't remember anymore. I have priced them out and getting Savannah cats or Savannah kittens, you're going to spend about $10,000. Really? Wow. Yeah, I saw them go for like three or 4,000 a few years yeah, they're, ago. They're pretty expensive. Trust me. Mm. I've looked. How did we get from Star Wars and Marvel movies on to cats? Anthony Hopkins. That's Anthony why. Hopkins. But, uh, <laughs> well, there is, there is one, it is spooky season because it's October and this is our pre-Halloween, uh, podcast. We're going to talk about Werewolf by Night. We are going to talk about Werewolf by Night. Okay, and, cool. I'm glad we're at least talking about something that we Yeah. Watched. Um, and the sadness of you being proved wrong because there was absolutely no Moon Knight cameo. There was no Moon Knight cameo. There was no Blade cameo. There was, and I was, I was ready to accept that I was wrong. But the um, that rumor was very strongly out there because that was where Moon and I, no secret, I am a huge Moon Knight fan mm -hmm. because that was where Moon Knight debuted was in Werewolf by Night. And in the one episode, it's the bus said WB with the issue number for Werewolf by Night of when he debuted. So the logical assumption when they said, yeah, we're coming out with a Werewolf by Night one episode show for Halloween. 
and it was like, well, they just did Moon Knight, and um, you know, I could totally see him popping up in that show for whatever. But what I was pleasantly surprised by was the appearance of Man Thing. Yes, um, that was that made up for me not getting my Moon Knight. Uh, that was that was just as cool of a character. And they did it very, very well. And they have said that these characters are going to be showing up back again in the future at some point. I, well, so when I saw the trailer and they showed Elsa Bloodstone, I thought, just because I wasn't, I mean, it was a trailer and you only saw like quick, I thought that was actually the actor or actress who played uh, Jessica Jones. And I was like, so did I, me and the wife said the same thing. I'm like, that chick reminds me of Jessica Jones. Well, here's the thing. What I found out was, is the actress who plays Elsa Bloodstone. Cause I was like, where do I know her from? What? This is so familiar. She played the lead character on the nevers. Oh yeah. That's where we knew her from. Yeah, I forgot about that. I like that show. Oh, I, I don't know. know and it's I'm, coming back. Uh, yeah, it's kind of in like hiatus. They haven't said for sure if it is or isn't because that was supposed to be the first half of the first season. So it wasn't even a second season. There was supposed to be another half of the first season. And we never got it. And like that, that last episode where you finally see the the big reveal about what's going on. I was like, oh my god, I want to see more of this. Yeah. It was, um, it, it, it was, it was steampunk X-Men and I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then before they announced that it, it was Ilsa Bloodstone, I actually thought it was another Marvel character. Um, oh God, what's her name? Uh, I think, oh, damn it, I gotta look this up. Editing. So the character that I thought it was was Victoria Montesi, who was uh, the mem- the uh, leader of the Darkhold Redeemers, one of the original Midnight Suns titles. So I that's who I thought it was because all of the like hallmarks of this were really close to a lot of like the imagery of the the Midnight Suns stuff, which would lead into Ghost Rider, but. Uh, I don't know if Man Thing was part of the Midnight Suns, but it would have made sense to it. That's what the big word behind the scenes is: is that they're not saying it, but all the pieces are in place for there to be a Midnight Suns, because we know Blade's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, we now have the Man Thing. We now have the Werewolf by Night. Man Thing, I can't remember if sure he was in there or not. Morbius, ah, uh, questionable. <laughs> Uh, Doctor Strange was was there, so some people are saying that this could be um, something to do with the next Doctor Strange movie, or they might just do like they're doing with the Thunderbolts and do a spinoff series, like a darker one of the Midnight Suns. I would really Ghost like Rider to was see in it. there as well. Yeah, it's all Blade. Yeah, Blade. Blade. Well, Blade was a member of the Night Stalkers detective agency, so you also had. Uh, the Night Stalkers, or you would have had the Night Stalkers there. Uh, you would have had Johnny Blaze as just Johnny Blaze, 
Dan Ketch as Ghost Rider, um, the Darkhold Redeemers, uh, Morbius, the Living Vampire, and I think there was. Have more. you watched Morbius yet? No, I haven't. Because um, I just you don't have time, and you've been told that it's a really bad movie. I get it. Yeah, um, I let's put it this way. I just sat down today and watched the first episode of season four of Stranger Things. Okay. Uh, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Um, And it's just, it's not a movie. I would never have thought of Morbius as a character to carry his own movie. He was. Well, he did have a comic book for quite some time. Yeah. But he always seemed uh, like he was just part of something else. It was either. Morbius showing up in Daredevil, Morbius showing up in Spider-Man, Morbius showing up in the Midnight Suns. He never really seemed like a character strong enough to carry his own series. I get that as well. I I should say not his own series of comics, but his own movie. I'll say this. Jared Leto got the character down. He he actually he portrayed him the way that I remember him, um, even good as as a human and as the vampire. Um, and Matt Smith was in it. Matt, Matt Smith was okay. I, he was he was a villain in the movie, and that he was okay in that part. So I don't think the problem is with the actors or how they played their characters. It was just all the debacle going on with the Spider-Man movie and what was going on with Sony because the two really didn't communicate each other that well. Right. It's like you're, you're trying to connect this to the Spider-Man universe that Sony is somewhat trying to build um, by having uh, Michael Keaton as the character from Spider-Man Homecoming, but then you didn't have Spider-Man. Like It would have made a lot <clears throat> more sense to connect this to this Spider-Verse they're trying to build if you had Tom Holland as Spider-Man. But now Sony's saying, like, they aren't even sure if they're going to make more Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. And if, holy fuck, if they reboot Spider-Man for the fourth time, yeah, I'm out. I'm Actually, out. they just confirmed about two weeks ago that Tom Holland is coming back for three more movies. Okay. But they have also... Um, that, um, the other guy, the one that didn't get a third movie, what the heck was his name? The one who, um, the one that they shafted. Oh, oh, uh, Anthony Anthony Garfield. Garfield. Yeah. Andrew Garfield. There's, there's apparently going to be an Andrew Garfield movie. That's going to be tying it now that, now that the, that, that, that no way home happened and everybody was like, Garfield, bring Garfield back. Give him another movie. Give him another movie. And Tobey Maguire kind of doesn't. He wants to like, from understand, he doesn't want to be that much deep in it because he's getting old and stuff. Yeah. But he still wants to be there, but in a different capacity, like the Big Brother giving right, advice right. kind of capacity. Um. So apparently, there's talk that, um, and this is through casting networks and and screenwriters and stuff like that, that Garfield's going to come back and he might be the one that actually does the Venom movie, because. He specifically made the joke in the movie, I want to fight an alien, you know, or something like right. that, you know. So that's possible. But they've also said that, yeah, these three are going to be, because of the chemistry and because the fans liked it so much, that these three will eventually, at some point or another, eventually be hooking up again. Maybe not in the same way. Like, it might be Andrew Garfield and 
um, Tobey Maguire or it might be Tobey Maguire and Tom Holland or Garfield and Tom Holland. But, you know, they're, they're all going to still be associated with one another. They've, you know, they've said, that, yeah, this is a family now. So it's, we're going to revisit I was going to say, like, I never thought of Spider-Man as being a huge multiverse title. But, like, I mean, I remember in, like, the Spider-Man animated series where they kind of touched on, like, the Spider-Man multiverse with the other Spider-Mans and Madam Web. But, like, Disney, or not Disney, uh, Marvel is kind of just running with this uh, to the point where now there's, like, all these kind of Spider-Verse comic books with different versions of Spider-Man. And I just learned... There's a reason for that. Yeah. I just learned there is a Spider-Man Disney princess. (laughs) There is a version of Spider-Man that is very heavily influenced by Jasmine. Uh, and they show her in this kind of pseudo Arabian fantasy world. And she has a pet spider that she talks to. They, they even had a sequence of her in the market having a song and they wrote the, the dialogue and had it sung by a Broadway star who played Jasmine in the like, the musical version of the of uh aladdin like it's serious like this is a thing kevin feige and the woman that's running that division of sony and handling all the spider-man stuff i was gonna say i'm just talking about the comics at the moment i know but the reason i'm trying to explain what's going on behind the scenes with kevin feige and the spider-man universe um, and Kevin Feige, I guess, um, a few months ago, well, it was actually about, I don't know, maybe a year ago, those two were out to dinner and Kevin Feige was like, listen, you guys at Sony, you can't do it this way. You, we need to do, you need to do this X, Y, and Z. So Kevin Feige actually sat down with Sony and said, if we're going to do this, because we all care about these characters, we all care about the money that they're going to generate. And we all care about this shared universe and they've all learned that if we play nice together, the fans like it and the, the pocketbook's empty. So he sat down with them and said, okay, if we're going to do this, let's do this right. You guys can still do your whatever. I don't know why the fuck they're doing Craven the Hunter, but go do your Craven the Hunter movie. Actually, you know, they're going to the, do another. What was going to say? I don't think Craven the Hunter is interesting as a standalone movie, but I absolutely would love to see a Spider-Man movie where the villain is Craven the Hunter. Because that's all that's all coming now. Yeah, because Craven the Hunter um, is one of my favorite Spider-Man villains because he is literally just some dude with zero powers who just wants to prove that he is the greatest hunter in the world, and by like the old joke of hunting the most dangerous game, which is man. No, which mm-hmm. hunting the most dangerous game, which is superheroes. So apparently that's what Sony and Marvel are going to do now. So they're all consulting with one another. Like Sony, they've told Sony, do your kind of, do go do your stuff. But if we're going to tie this all together, let's work together on the tie-ins and let's try to, you know, do your stuff, bring it to us, and they're, they're all going to work together now for the greater good of the Spider-Man universe, which for me is great. I don't, like the Sony, Sony, like Warner Brothers, just doesn't seem to get it. They don't seem to understand. Because I, they don't get comic books. They get movies. Yeah, Sony exactly. is a movie company. 
Warner Brothers is a movie company. They don't look at this as making a comic book movie. They are looking. It's a boardroom meeting for them. Yeah, this is a movie that's about a comic book character. So it goes through the same process. Like they don't see any difference in how they make this versus any movie, and in except in very specific circumstances where you get directors who are a a big enough name that they get a right of final cut. This is the process. It's the director makes the movie, the studio watches it, and if the studio's bean counters don't like it, they re-edit the movie to make it the way they like. And they're not necessarily the best judges of what's good in movies. It's the same thing with the Academy of um, Arts and Motion Pictures. It's a bunch of old white dudes sitting in a room, circle jerking each other about what they think is cinema as an art form. Not what cigars. Yeah, (laughs) not what everybody else thinks, not what the public thinks. It's just what these collection of old dudes who have are like the masters of Hollywood, basically just congratulating each other on being the masters of Hollywood. Uh, and and that's a lot of what happened at uh, uh, Warner Brothers, is the Warner Brother executives were like, what do you, what do you mean? No, 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 no. we're going to do this. Uh, this movie needs some comedy. Let's punch up the comedy. And it's like, oh, uh, we don't want, this is a serious movie. We're making this a serious. So let's, uh, let's add in some darkness. Yeah, they don't they don't have any heart or soul to them or whatever. Yeah, they don't have any love for the characters. They don't. It's like, oh yeah, like uh let's make let's make the Joker fucking Jared Leto. Because they have no He's a big name star. People will yeah. come. People love Jared Leto. Let's yeah, just like he's he's a big name. He he his, yeah. he's hot. Like let's get him in this movie. Yeah. Um like the other thing is I, I can see like there's movie like Wonder Woman. You could see where the director really cared about that movie. There was some heart and passion. In it, and you can just see where Warner Brothers came along and said, now nah, we got to change that. We got to change this. Let's change this fight scene to make it look this way or do that to it. Like you could see it with Suicide Squad 2. It's like this is the same guy that did Guardians of the Galaxy doing Suicide Squad, it should work. He's obviously very good at taking characters that nobody's ever heard of, putting them together and making it work. But you could see where Warner Brothers just came in and was like, nah, we got to make this thing here. We got to do this this way. And like really coming in and altering, altering what they were doing. And you could just, you can look at it and see it. It's like, just stay the fuck out of these people's way. Let them do their jobs. Mm -hmm. You know, they've already done comic book movies. I understand what the characters are. They've probably got a love for what they're doing. Keep the executives away because that's why people went and saw Suicide Squad 2 because of James Gunn because like, okay, now we're finally going to get a good DC movie because people like I want good DC movies. Oh, yeah, dude, I would. My my love for DC is just as mutual and strong as it is for Marvel. But it's like, (laughs) yeah, it's like when DC let uh, Christopher Nolan make Batman Begins. Like, this was the Batman movie I had literally waited my entire life for. Um, and it it was perfect. Every beat of that first Christian Bale movie is perfect. Like, it was one of the first... Bat- like, the, the, the mistake that Marvel... Or, well, I shouldn't say Marvel. The mistake that Sony made was every Sony Spider-Man movie retold how 
the Spider-Man origin story. To the point where, like, even Spider-Man, even the Tobey Maguire movies, like, it seems like in the second one, they still redid the whole thing with Uncle Ben. And it's like, oh, we've got to have this point. We've got to have this touch point where it's like the the whole great power comes responsibility. And then Marvel came around and Marvel was like, no, you already know that. We we don't have to do that. Correct. We don't don't have to show that part. And I love that they didn't. Yeah. But conversely, with the Batman movies, they never showed Batman becoming Batman. And then Christopher Nolan came along, came along and like, no, this is how, like, this is integral to the story of how he became what he is. And it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. And to the point where, like, I don't even think the other Batman movie, like The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises, were even as good as Batman Begins. I mean, as great as Heath Ledger was as the, as the Joker, it just seems like there's a... I don't know. That second movie was pretty good. The third one was probably the most mad of all of them. So my problem is the the Dark Knight, or excuse me, the Dark Knight relies so heavily on Duess Machina, and I hate Duess Machina. Like, it is my absolute least favorite plot device, and it's so deeply ingrained in it. Um, and, like... Like, the scene where he digs the bullet out of the wall, and then he's shooting the bullet at the wall and, like, piecing together the fragments of the bullet to get the clue. That's not the Joker. That's not how the Joker works. That's the Riddler. Like, that is absolutely some shit the Riddler would do. Um, Or even the other things. But the Joker is not that subtle. And that's what they... I think they got wrong about the Joker is the... There were the, it's like you have Heath Ledger as the Joker where he's kind of this like sociopath and that was great. That was perfect. But then you had like this background story where he was like taunting Batman and that just never, never hit with, never hit with me. Hmm. I don't know. I don't have much to add to it. <laughs> and, and like but I, I said, will say. And, and it this used a- my absolute least favorite plot device, which I've mentioned several times, of the bad guy allowing to himself to be captured because it was part of his, it, like, his master plan required him to be captured. And I hate that trope. I hate it. And they use it so much. This in movie all obviously touched ag- you on a deeper level than I thought it did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Mar- Marvel is just lousy with that trope. Uh, mean DC or Marvel? Marvel. Okay. I mean, like, that was in, uh, like, how Loki got in in Avengers, is he allowed himself to be captured because his plan revolved around him being in the helicarrier. In order for his plan to succeed, he had to be there, so he allowed himself to be captured. And the same thing in The Dark Knight Rises. The Joker had to be captured because part of his plan meant that he needed to break out of jail for no reason other than just to show him breaking out of jail. I hate that. Okay. I hate that trope. I hate it. What I was going to say, though, is one of the things that Warner Brothers does is like, hey, let's make another Batman movie. Let's make another Batman-related story that has nothing to do with any of the stuff that we're trying to set up. Yeah, I know. You know, like, 
it, it's every, like we, did, we didn't need we didn't need sparkly vampire Batman. I still haven't watched it. I probably won't. Yeah, and and I really don't like everything I've seen about it. Is just like this is not a movie I want to see. Um, well, there's no need for it. It's like the Joker. It's like you just said. We already had our Batman origin story with the, mm-hmm. with the Christopher Nolan film, so we don't need another one. Yeah, but... and. It just doesn't tie to anything else that's going on right now. Like D- Warner Brothers, they tried to do the whole extended universe. And as much as it sucked and as much as I didn't like it, you know, at least they were trying. They could fix it, you know. But at this point, it's like, how do you, just, I, I don't how think do you make and how do you make a cinematic universe of interconnected movies when the first three movies you make are all Superman movies? Again, it, they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Because but apparently like, Shazam, uh, Black Adam is going to tie into Shazam, and Shazam tied into the Justice League movies because they made mention of them. And Henry Henry Cavill's coming back for the Black Adam movie, or there's a part where he's in there at the very end of it, or something like that. Yeah, it's um, weird because in the first Shazam movie, there is a Superman cameo, but because no that, Superman, <laughs> it's not Henry Cavill. It's just Superman from the neck down. Yeah, because at that point in time he was not under contract and wouldn't come back just to do it. Um, and then um, the Aquaman movies coming out, and Aquaman is canon from the Justice League movies. It's like okay, if you're gonna do this, just just get your shit together and do it, you know, instead mm-hmm. of playing all this dicking around shit. And like, a, we don't need another Batman movie. We don't need a Joker movie. We don't need another Joker movie. I have absolutely no interest to see a Joker movie that isn't about Batman. Like, I guess like he's not a character I want to sympathize with. He's insane. Yes. Uh, and, and it's, you're trying to make him a relatable character and it's just, no, no. Why there is the Joker is not interesting without Batman. The Joker's foil is Batman. And, and it's the same thing with the Robert Patterson Batman movie. I don't want to see a Batman movie where Batman's a barely restrained psychopath where he is his. It's not even about him being rich and having gadgets. It's just him being like, yeah, I can just go around the law and beat confessions out of people. I don't want to see the Riddler where, where the Riddler's a serial killer because he never was in the comic books. It was just about proving he was smarter, proving he was the smartest man in the room. And I just like, no, no, (laughs) like I'm great. If there are people that enjoy those movies, have that, but I'm not going to, I have HBO max. I can watch these movies whenever I want. And I just have no interest to watch them. I want to watch. They've got their fanboys. I want to watch a superhero movie to be inspired, to enjoy it, to feel better. And those don't do it. it. It's it's just depressing. Apparently, they're gonna keep keep going with the Zack Snyder storyline or whatever. Oh so. yeah, yeah, they're they're gonna they're gonna keep going with the Zack Snyder storyline. Uh, they're making a second. They're making a sequel to the Joker. Um, I think that Robert Patterson's contracted yep. for another Batman. So it's like, yeah, why why? You, why are you continuing two separate franchises? Apparently they've made enough money for them to be able to do that. So, yeah. But Warner Brothers, again, just doesn't, they don't seem to get it. And I don't don't think they care because the movies that they're making, people are going and seeing them and they're making money. It's not, you know. 
Um, From what I understand, nobody wants to work for the WB right now. Nobody wants to do superhero movies for them. And, you know, Robert Patterson, yeah, I mean, what's he really got going on right now? Of course, he's going to do it for the paycheck or whatever. But most of the people, I'm really surprised that well, they're I was going to say, like, to be fair... I'm sure Robert Patterson is sitting on a dump truck of royalty money from tw the Twilight series. Yeah, I'm sure he is. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing of like, eh, these movies aren't for me, but they're for somebody. And I'm sure the people involved with them made a shitload of money. You know what's funny, though, because for a long time, for a while, you used to see like, oh, Warner Brothers is so much better than Marvel from the fanboys. I don't even see any of that anymore. <laughs> um, oh, damn, I had a point I was going to make, but uh, it's lost. Yeah, I got to kind of wrap it up here pretty soon, too. Um, okay. Plus, we've been going for like two hours. There, there, is, there is one thing I want to talk about, um, and it's... So on the show, we've talked about, uh, like, the Gilmore Girls paradox. Uh, the fact that in the, or the Gilmore Girls Soprano paradox, the fact that in The Sopranos, uh, Tony Soprano is watching the Gilmore Girls at one point, and then in an episode of the Gilmore Girls, one of the characters is wearing a Sopranos t-shirt and talking about the Sopranos TV show. Mm -hmm. So, like, what happens when Tony Soprano sees that episode and they're talking about him as if he's on a show and that paradox um somebody recently pointed out that the monster mash the the graveyard smash never once in the song do they specifically reference that the monster mash is a dance okay which means we can open to interpretate interpret that the monster mash could be anything the monster mash could be a sex position the monster mash could be a fight scene the monster mash could be anything we just know that it was a graveyard smash and it caught on in a flash the monster mash could be an std i really don't want to think of it that way nor do i want to think of a graveyard monster mash as a giant sex orgy between monsters well, yeah, because at one point they say Wolfman's getting down. You've put some thought into this, haven't you? I have. Um, and then the other one, this occurred to me the other day while I was driving. Uh, this is, I don't think it's a paradox, but it is a cycle. Um, Ro or, um, Bob Seger's classic old-time rock and roll. Bob Seger is talking or is singing this song and singing about old time rock and roll and how the music from the days of old and how it was ever this old time rock and roll is the best music ever. Now he sang that in the eighties talking presumably about the sixties. However, now we listen to that song and the old time rock and roll we think about when we're listening to that song is it's Bob song. Seger. Like old-time rock and roll has become the old-time rock and roll that old-time rock and roll was talking about. <laughs> like, you don't sleep much at night, do you? <laughs> um, it, it, uh, God, uh, Phil Collins, In the Air Tonight. Like, I can feel it coming in the air tonight. 
I've been waiting for this moment for all my life. I've been waiting, like, he's talking about this moment. He's waiting for this moment. The whole, all this is building and building and building. And then that's, that drum hit hits and the beat drops. And it's, he's singing about waiting for the moment when the beat drops. The song is him just waiting to the point where he can drop the beat and like make the song like smash. Okay. I, I have a lot of, a lot of time to myself to think about these theories. <laughs> I, I've got nothing for you here, man. I don't, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> but tell me I'm wrong. Tell me that I'm wrong. That song supposed to be about a hitman. That's well. We well. That song is actually just just written because Phil Collins discovered um, what, drum beat distortion, mm-hmm. and he wanted to showcase his new his new system for doing distorted drum beats. So he wrote that song to showcase it. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, if. I, I was reading a uh, history. Um, no, it was it was a book about um, kind of how digital audio influenced a lot of music, um, and that transition from how we lived in an analog world to transitioning to a digital world. Uh, one of the things that came about because of that was before the '80s, when you had drum beats and songs the drum tracks were very like sharp and they were very clear and the drum was there to be a beat. Um, then sometime in the eighties, Phil Collins was recording and he's, he's talking to the people in the studio through the talkback mic and he's hitting on the drum and he's hearing the drum, but he's hearing it on a slight delay through the speakers that are in the control booth. And then, projected back through the talkback microphone and he notices that the drums have this kind of like distorted muddy sound but at that point it was something nobody else had done nobody else had heard of and he's like holy crap that's this is the thing and so he pioneered that idea and then for the rest of the 80s because the 80s was all about synthesizers the 80s was all about electronic music and that was how we got electronic kind of drum sound that just lived on through the rest of the 80s. This has been another useless fact. Fun facts with music mm-hmm. with John. Oh, oh, no, no. This is the other thing we got to talk about. Um, I know it's Make getting it late. Quick. I got to go. I've got kids. Um, have, have you heard the new Queen song? No, I have not. Yeah. So... Earlier this year, Brian May was being interviewed and just casually mentioned that they had found a original recording that had been cut from one of their records. A fully mastered song that Queen had done and just didn't make it onto the records because some decision. And so they found it in the vaults, they pulled it out, and it was just this last week they released it. And I just love that. Like, here is... Freddie Mercury from Beyond the Grave singing this song and it's a it's a ballad so it's a very soulful song um and it just it's like magic it, it's how often do we get to see that um, well the last time I remember that happening was when the Beatles did Real Love I believe yeah, it was called yeah, Real Love Real Love uh and and it was 
a recording that hadn't made it to an album. Um, and that was, it wasn't mastered. So like Paul McCartney, I think that was, I think George Harrison was still alive when that came out. And then Ringo, yeah, it wasn't finished yet. Right. And, um, Ringo Starr, so. they, they all went back and they added vocal tracks to it. Uh, along with John Lennon. So this is kind of that same thing. Um, it's called Face It Alone by Queen. And just, yeah, if you if you haven't listened to it, go out. It's on Spotify. It's on YouTube. It's everywhere. But it's just cool. It, it's just cool. Yeah, as I saw you post something on Facebook about it, I'm like, well, are they getting Adam Lambert to sing for them again? Or... Like, cause that seems to be the person that they found that does the best job of it. Yeah. He, but, uh, he's the one who does the touring with uh, them now, but yeah. So this, this is not Adam Lambert. This is queen. This is, this is Freddie Mercury in his prime scene. I would be interested to hear if they, did they ever record any new music with of Adam Lambert? I don't think they did. did they? I don't think they did either. I know I'd they be tour- curious to see what they would sound like now as queen with Adam Lambert singing. Well, they can't because Brian May's got to like go out and do Buckaroo, Buckaroo Banzai shit. This is true because he is an astrophysicist. Yeah, he, he's my he's my number one favorite guitarist and my third favorite astrophysicist. Third favorite. So, all right, but this, this out, but I, yeah. I gotta let you go. So, no, no, that's that's it. I was gonna wrap it up here. So, uh, Rojan, what's going on with Cinema Labad? Cinema Labad. Um, we're still watching movies here and there. We just watched uh, Piranha 3 Double D last night. Oh, no, no. Um, I want to hear you. I have you, yet I, to actually post a review on it. I was going to say, it I want to I, I hear you talk about Megaforce. Megaforce. Um, the people that I was watching with had never seen Megaforce, so they had no idea what they were in for. I watched it as a kid. And I, even then, when I was a kid, I was like, this movie sucks, but, you know, whatever. Dude, I, um, I only know that movie exists because I watched the Rift Track version of it. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things like on Cinema Labad, kind of like what I used to do with Archivist and I'm still trying to do with Archivist is um, when I post a movie up, if I, I try to find as much relevant information about the movie that I can. Megaforce, the guy that was behind that was a former stunt guy and he'd worked in a lot of movies with um, Robert, no, with uh, Burt Reynolds, mm-hmm. like Cannonball Run, Smokey and the Bandit. Um, you know, all of those movies. So this script fell into place and the movie company was like, Hey, anything that this guy does with movies with cars is gold. So this should be just fine. And, and was, I was going to say, that? and they were hoping to use it to launch a toy line. Exactly. Mattel, for example, if you watch the movie, there is no person listed for credits as costume designer. That's because the, the comp, the toy company Mattel actually was the ones who designed the costumes. Now, this is something that's going to tie to me and you a little bit. The buggies that were used in Megaforce, uh, Matchbox still makes those buggies. They're not painted the same way. Right. But you can still go out and buy those buggies. They they still use that car. And I've actually, I own a couple of them because we play Gaslands. Right. So two of the Megaforce buggies that I own, or two of the buggies that I own for Gaslands, are the Megaforce buggies. They've got the little thing sticking out in the front. They just don't have the rocket launcher on the top of them. Do they, they remove that? I was going to say, do they still make a, Met, uh, uh, a Mattel of the jet the jet cycle? That jet, no, they don't. The jet no. cycle sequence is like the second best sci-fi dirt bike sequence ever, only mm-hmm. beat by Chuck Norris in uh, oh, what is, one, of, one of the 80s Chuck Norris, Delta Force, 
where he's got the little dirt bike that's got machine guns and mortars on it. That is going to be on, that is on the list to watch. Oh, Delta so, Force. Uh, we watched Megaforce, and nobody knew really about that whole flying motorcycle thing. And of course, we were all high. So the scene comes up, and I'm like, "All right, it's kind of like we're just going to sit back and watch this happen now." And everybody's like, "Oh no! Oh no! No! Oh no!" Oh, it gets no. so much worse. Like you think and, you're ten minutes in, and you're like, "This can't get campier." I'm like, "Oh, the movie just said hold my beer." Well, they were trying to use new technology in that movie. I can't remember what it's called right now. I, it's, off the tip of my, it's, it's escaped me. But they had this new technology where you could have something showing on a screen and a person walk out of the screen. So the whole that whole sequence was supposed to be showcasing this new technology of this plane flying in and land, like this, this motorcycle flying into the back of this plane and landing and him walking through the screen as though he actually just landed this motorcycle on the back of this plane. And the movie just fails in so many, so many areas. It's such, but it's, it's not that it's a bad movie because I've watched a lot of Sidaris movies and stuff. And this movie is a very anti Sidaris. This this isn't a, this is a campy movie. It's, it was a uniquely product of the 1980s. Well, it was supposed to be this massive blockbuster action adventure movie and it failed so, so incredibly immensely bad. Yeah. Like so, so bad. And it's got so many, like the guy, the main actor's hair never moves. Wind, pulling a motorcycle helmet off, whatever. His hair is always the same. There's just so many things about the movie. It's funny to watch. It is, it is perfect cinema, la bad. I'm telling you, if you guys watch Robo Jocks, you guys need to watch Robo Jocks. And I want to be on when you guys watch Robo Jocks. It's, it's, it, if, if you can deal with, because we're very well known, like whenever there's a plot, part of the movie where it's explaining the plot, we're usually laughing our asses off and talking over that part of the movie. And then the challenge becomes to be able to figure out what the hell the movie's about. Because you, uh, pay, you didn't pay attention when they monologued. You didn't pay attention when we, correct. And lately we've been falling down the, um, the old hammer horror movies. Like, cause it doesn't like cinema, the bad isn't necessarily about bad movies. There is a lot of those on there, but there's also classics on there. Like we just recently went back and watched, um, the Quentin Tarantino, the, the, the grindhouse movies, which oh, of yeah, course yeah. sent us down the rabbit hole of actual real grindhouse movies, which in turn brought us to the hammer horror movies. Oh dude, you guys got to watch monster squad then. We eventually will. There's oh. so many things that we have on the radar to watch, but every once in a while, we will watch something that just sounds really bad. And there's been a few of them. We've only been defeated by two movies. One of them was Roller Gator, and the other oh one God, was... Roller Gator. That's another one I only know of because of Rip It's Kratz. bad. And then the other one was The Horrible Sexy Vampire, which only part of that title is correct. It is very horrible. The vampire, half of the movie, these people are just reacting as though a vampire is attacking them, but you don't ever see anything. I come to find out later that was because of budget constraints. They didn't have the vampire quite ready to go yet. So they just played it off as the vampire was invisible for half the movie. Then we got to a point where like we can't watch this anymore. Oh my God, I just, so, re- I just remembered one that you guys have to watch. You guys mm. have to watch Cannibal the Musical. I have heard of that. What, well, what I'm going to do here pretty soon is... Um, my buddy has this projector that was around a hundred bucks like we've done over your house, but my house, my yard is not as big. So, and it's a really good projector. Yeah. My, yeah, my projector is currently dead. I got to order a new lamp for it, but replacement lamps are like 200 bucks. Well, I'm going to buy this one. That's like a hundred bucks and it works pretty well. And I'm just going to start having fires in my backyard and calling, you know, like banjo up or you up and saying, Hey, I'm having a fire tonight. I'm going to set the projector up, hook it into the computer 
because he's got one. And I'm like, this would be, it's not great, but it's, it's good enough for my backyard. Right. It doesn't so I'm just going to start doing that as well. So I'll start having people over for fires and we'll watch, you know, shitty movies while it's going on. But anyhow, yeah, check out, um, check out cinema Labat on Facebook. Uh, join the group. We post um, somewhat regularly. We'll post movies that we've watched with a review. And I always try to put a link where you can go watch the movie for free or on what service it's streaming on. So if people see it, they can actually go watch it. Um, Project Archivist, my other esoteric oriented podcast. I'm trying to get that fired up. It doesn't look like it's going to be going back up, firing back up again until around November because that's when all of my stuff will be finally settled down before I can start getting guests up and trying to get that show back up and running. Um, cause I've only done like two or three episodes this year. I've just been so out of podcasting because of everything. Yeah. So yeah, you can find that at projectarchivist.com or you can find it at cinemalabad.com, which does not have a podcast. All right. And you can find us at oldnerdsdrinking.com or the old nerds drinking Facebook group. Come for the podcast, stay for the memes. And with that end of line over, did you say over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! German? Forget it, he's rolling. And it ain't over now. So, what's the plan? Take car, go to Mum's, kill Phil, sorry, grab Liz, go to the Winchester, have a nice cold pint, and wait for all this to blow over. Might as well write them off. Close up the bridge. Let's get out of here. Close it up. Lights out. Where are you headed, cowboy? Nowhere special. Nowhere special. I always wanted to go there. We're going streaking! Yes! All right, move on. Nothing to see here. Please disperse. Nothing to see here. Please.